Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to the Fabulously Keto Podcast. This is episode 31. And today we're interviewing Sharon Betts. Jackie, why don't you tell us a little bit about Sharon? So I got in contact with Sharon because I'm part of her Facebook community group, um, which is very strict, very clean keto. So it's not what I do, but I like to, I think I was part of it before it even became so strict and so clean I don't know how long it's been like that but I you know I've been part of it for quite a long number of years and so I reached out and asked her to come on the podcast and what's really good about having a Facebook group that's based in the UK especially for yourself and for other listeners based in the UK is that there are these large groups and communities that have this local knowledge I really know that seemingly when I was in Australia and having Facebook groups with an Australian focus, it's always good to have your tribe and your local community. And I I guess that that's really what Sharon's group, Keto um, UK, is about as well. Yeah, people, people having somewhere to go, ask questions. I mean, nowadays, a lot of the questions are just, look at the unit read they've they've done a whole heap of information that's all there in the facebook group for people to access uh and then people are sharing their inspiring stories and there's lots of inspiring stories on there but similarly you and i are part of international groups and it's always interesting to to be able to compare and contrast what's happening in canada or in the u.s particularly or, you know, and for yourself, you know, having those Aussie larrikins in the group that you can sort of see how things are done in different countries. Yeah. But like you, I know we share those FOMO moments of being, you know, missing out on Trader Joe's and, you know, what's happening in the US on the scale of keto and low carb over overseas for us. But, um, yeah, it's always good to have some homegrown local knowledge and Sharon and Sharon's group is obviously really supportive of the UK base for that. Yeah. And now Sharon's part of that low carb food company. She's also being able to help people out on their journey with foods that are 100% compliant, depending on which ones they choose. So they, they have a range, don't they? So people can choose that and buy in confidence and I think that's important because we see so many labels in the supermarkets in fact I've somebody brought home a mayonnaise which said avocado mayonnaise from Marks and Spencer's but actually when you looked on the back 
most of it was rapeseed oil with just a tiny bit of avocado oil. So being able to buy from an online shop like that and have the confidence that it is what it says on the tin is really reassuring. I know you did a post just the other day when anything is labelled keto-friendly, walk away from it. So (laughs) I think that's the fact that Sharon has invested in the low-carb food production is, is a real testament to her commitment as well. So, you know, well done to Sharon. And it's a pity she doesn't ship to Thailand. So, um, <laughs> yeah, having ready meals, that would be fantastic if she could ship, ship this far, but I know that she can't. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about Sharon for the listeners? So Sharon Betts is a qualified diet and nutrition advisor and holder of the Ketogenic Diet Diploma, both with distinction. A serial entrepreneur, Sharon has built and evolved a series of food-based businesses starting from her first market store in 1992, progressing to a retail shop in 2001, a food service offering healthy buffet lunches and vending services to local businesses in 2004. Through her current nutrition-based business, both advising and cooking for people following a low-carb, high-fat diet, which launched in 2015, This business continues to have a huge success, supporting its clients' weight loss and fitness goals, including improved management of diabetes to reduce or eliminate their medication. Her business evolution has been guided by her own personal journey. In 2013, she discovered the low-carb lifestyle and became one of the dietdoctor.com's first success stories for women over 40. This led her to study nutrition and then ketogenic diets as she found that the standard nutritional advice was almost the complete opposite to what had worked for herself and many of her clients. In parallel and building on her own experience of running meetings to share the benefits of low-carb lifestyle with friends and family, she became the moderator of the Keto UK community group on Facebook in 2016 and set up a sister low-carb group. Between them, there are over 60,000 members. Together with her husband, she built a website, www.low-carbs.co.uk, which we'll link to in the show notes, to complement the groups with extensive content on every aspect of keto and low-carb and a section to support moderators running the groups. Right. Let's hear more from Sharon. Welcome, Sharon, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Thank you. (laughs) So one of the first questions we always ask our guests is, where in the world are you? I am in Whittlesea in the Fenlands, which Ah. does not correlate with my accent. I understand I am obviously originally (laughs) Scottish, but uh, that's where I happen to be living at the moment. So is that Suffolk or? Uh, no, it is the Fenlands, Cambridgeshire. Cambridgeshire. Yeah, just uh, they call it the Fens because it's completely flat <laughs> and often waterlogged. <laughs> so that's in the UK? Yes. So, Sharon, uh, what's been really interesting as Jackie and I have been interviewing a number of people now in our podcasts is we want to identify who was your one? Who was that one person or one podcast or one book that got you started on your low-carb keto journey? 
I was in holiday on Croatia in Croatia and I was uh, 15 stone at that time and couldn't find the answer to stopping yo-yo dieting and the hotel in there had only one English book and that book was uh, Pure White and Deadly by John Yudkin and I devoured it and it just ticked so many boxes for me it made sense and it helped me to completely understand that fat was not really the problem sugar was the problem and my first step was to co- quit sugar in its entirety including sweeteners everything that had sugar in it and my god it was an absolute revelation it really was the things I mean I do it differently now at first it was just sugar and my psoriasis pretty much cleared up in the space of three months with no sugar (laughs) that alone to me was heaven sent Mm. I used to have to have to have two holidays in the sun each year just to keep on top of it and even then I still every night every day you know struggled itch you know you know how psoriasis is but uh, none of that and it's been absolutely wonderful and then add in all the other little joint pain and (laughs) the fact that I don't snore anymore which I used to apparently (laughs) quite badly Uh, there's a million things that I can say about just quitting sugar but then obviously once you do that it leads you on to all of the other big hitters out there so uh, Finney and Volek, the art and science of low carbohydrate living. I loved that. Um, green brain and wheat belly, those two. And then, of course, you move on and you find people like um, Ken Berry and Gary Tobes, Tim Noakes, all those people. But the other great, great breakthrough for me personally, although she's not particularly keto or low carb, was uh, Zoe Harcombe's discussion about calories because all my life I imagined that calories was the only way to keep this you know this fat cycle going getting fatter getting thinner getting fatter getting thinner I'd done it a hundred times you know and um Zoe Harcombe was was brilliant to 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 explain that every every single time you cut those calories down you're just getting yourself straight back into that cycle of yo-yo dieting And when I embraced keto in its entirety, I was easily eating 3,000 calories a day, easily. Yeah. And I dropped four stone with relative ease. The last stone, okay, it took a little bit of extra work and a few things I had to adjust and change. But initially, knowing what sugar does and that calories don't matter, basically was my two light bulb moments. Yeah, I I think... When you look at people in the keto world, uh, especially in some of the forums, not the forums, they're not forums, are they? Uh, Facebook groups, people are still looking to cut their calories. And I'm forever saying, no, you need to up your calories. You need to eat more. You need to increase your metabolism. (laughs) That's the only way to fix that, isn't it? I often feel I eat too much because I probably average about 2,000 calories a day. But it's still, it's not a lot. I think, really? yeah, in time, I mean, 2,000 calories is pretty average, and I'm probably around about there myself right now. Um, but I think it's more about, for me, the whole journey is getting to a point where you are instinctively listening to your body. And if you want to eat 5,000 calories one day, then go ahead and eat them. But you're not looking at one day. What you're doing is look at over the course of a whole week. So, for two days, you probably will barely eat 
500 calories. So those 3,000 or 5,000 are unlikely to matter because one day is not a good indication of, you know, and you're going to weigh yourself the next morning and think, oh my God, I've gained. You haven't, you know, it's all, there's so many more things to look at than the scale, but everybody, well, not everybody knows that, but the people who do know that are a lot happier in their journey as well, that's what I would say. Yes. So when was that holiday in Croatia? 2013. Right. And I think we have to obviously, you know, thank the one book, you know, <laughs> that one English book in your, your hotel in Croatia Absolutely. for for the start of your journey. So, and but what led you? I mean, you mentioned about being 15 stones. So tell us a bit more about that journey and, and how that's um, led on to, to where you are now. Yeah, well, I'm 10 stone now. And uh, I've sat here at 10 Stone for probably a good seven years. Uh, very occasionally I'll have, you know, a little up or down, various things. You know, my dad passed away. It was stressful, horrible, lost a lot of weight, not intentionally, you know. And then obviously wanted to get myself back, back to where I was because uh, that's just through lack of eating and it was traumatized you know all that kind of stuff so yeah but generally I sit around the 10 stone up or down two or three and people might say oh 10 stone you know it's not exactly you know lightweight but I'm 53 I'm five foot six I look good I don't mean that in a in a vain way I mean I can pull on my size 10 trousers every day anytime I feel like it I can you know I don't feel that I need to justify and I do feel that that is also part of what keto does for you. It brings you to a weight that will work for you. You know, I don't think you're ever going to have been 15 stone and then comfortably stay at eight. <laughs> you know, I just, you have to be realistic. All You know, especially at my age, you get to a point where you have presumably some loose skin. Mine tends to gather under my chin. It's lovely, you can see it. <laughs> but... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're all, we're women of a certain age at the end of the day, you know, and I know I'm not going to be a supermodel, you know, even even without weight loss. <laughs> um, so it's about, I think, about accepting yourself. And, yeah. and keto helps you to do that in so many ways because it's not just physical. The mental improvements to my mood to my you know overall well-being are just phenomenal I don't have those down days anymore that you used to get you know and when you're on the sugar roller coaster I, you know I have a very stable mood now I can get up each morning and feel good and yeah yeah it's, I think for me that's the best bit is that way that you just feel different it doesn't matter what you weigh yeah because if you look at me you'd say I'm fat but it doesn't matter because I just feel like a different person yeah. I just feel like somebody I don't think I ever was in my life before you definitely don't look fat <laughs> <laughs> I promise you you don't look fat but I do hear what you're saying it is far more about and this is why I do get, you know, we run the Facebook group and there's 57,000 members in the keto one and 13,000 in the low carb one. And for so long, we were getting these young girls, nothing really wrong with them, 
maybe half a stone overweight, desperate to go on this keto journey, which is just completely unnecessary. Go to the low carb journey, okay? That will be your life. Follow a relatively low carb lifestyle and you won't have weight problems. The reason you're having weight problems is because we're thrown into this constant advertising barrage of junk food and low fat this and low fat that and eat this Belvita breakfast biscuit that's got more not that I want to name names, but it's got more sugar in it than a donut. So please don't tell them to eat, you know, breakfast biscuits or, or you know, you have to. I think probably education is the biggest problem. We're not teaching our children or, you know, we're not teaching them what they need to know about nutrition, about anything in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, nutrition certainly is a, is a big aspect of it. Most schools in Britain now don't even do a food and nutrition you know, examination, they don't do a food and nutrition class, they don't bake anymore, all that used to be, they don't have those big kitchens that, you know, you used to have 10 cookers and 10 washing machines and whatnot when I was young, you know, to show you how to do your laundry, yeah, but uh, I think that's a big part of it, and I really want to be a part of helping to educate people out of bad health, things like diabetes, things like metabolic syndrome you know all of the PCOS all these kind of things that are really killing people you know slowly very slowly so (laughs) does it not count just because it's slow no slowly enough that they need the drugs but not too slow that it'll kill them so that they can keep taking the drugs and keep eating the food yep you you hit, hit the nail exactly on the head there, yeah. You were mentioning about the Facebook group. So how did you come to start and manage and run the Facebook groups? Um, well, I didn't start the keto one. I, I was a member of the keto one and uh, was asked to be a moderator quite quickly because the lady that was doing it, I think, was just tearing her hair out because, I mean, it just was not a lot of organisation, no, no sort of real help. You know, it was all just lots of people banging on about how they did it and what they did. And it's not always consistent advice. It's not always good advice. And then you just tend to get people all shouting at each other. So she asked me to take over it because she felt she just couldn't cope with it and she wanted a complete break from social media. So I did. And then I got some there were some mods there who were great but I asked other people to help me to moderate it and uh, we built learning units we put an ethos in of no sweeteners and we knew that that was going to upset a lot of people and that was when we decided to open the low carb group so that if you do want to follow a you know a more lax journey not lax that's not fair to say low carb as I say works for a million people you know but the clean keto group is really about healing all of the major problems. So what we're starting with is this is where take a month, take a month out of your life, quit alcohol, quit sugar, quit all sweeteners, see what happens. Because then if you go back to something like sweeteners, like alcohol, like peanuts, for example, you will know after a month the effect that they have on your body. Because again, God, when I first started my journey, I used to eat peanut butter, but I didn't realise until I stopped eating peanut butter how inflammatory it is for me personally to get up in the morning and 
agony in the soles of my feet, which I hadn't had since pre, you know, since the pre weight loss. And I couldn't understand it. And I could very easily pinpoint then what it was that were causing these various, you know, symptoms, shall we say, that were that were coming back up. So yeah, peanut butter for me personally was one. So then I researched it, wrote a unit on it so that people can find out for themselves. We don't say, don't you dare eat this, you know. <laughs> we say, eat, you know, what you, start how you intend to do this. It has to be something that you can maintain for the rest of your life. But my ethos is, go low carb, see how you go, Try keto if you need it. If you don't need it, don't do it. Low carb is perfectly good for 90% of the people and it will help you to reverse your diabetes in a, an acceptable timescale, in an acceptable way. Keto is there if you really need to bite down into what exactly is causing your particular ailments and you know problems and then go back to low carb for the rest of your life. Mm. It's really interesting that you were able to pinpoint, as you said, you know, like the eating of peanut butter and having having pain. And our guest on the podcast, um, uh, Simone Cohen, is um, she said exactly that. It's a symptom, like the, you know, having a symptom diary and being able to track, you know, and pinpoint those foods to to what it is that you're that you're experiencing. Yeah, so absolutely. it's it's really interesting in that sort of as you said about having arthritis you know that inflammatory condition and finding out what those foods are that triggers your symptoms because it is that sort of inflammatory response yeah and I think you know everybody does have a journey and you know a lot of people as I say they'll be perfectly fine and they'll do a lot of the things that they want to do just by following a low-carb diet and possibly still incorporating sweeteners or whatever you know they're having lots of dairy I don't know however they are deciding to do it but a lot of people will also benefit from moving into a very strict strict keto you know few months so that when they go back they will be able to see exactly where the problems are I guess it's like an elimination diet of old isn't it you know yeah. they used to do yeah. that too as you know when again another thing I've been through all of the all of those things you know to try and alleviate my own uh, things and for 10 years I was dairy free because they told me that it was dairy that was uh, you know inflaming my psoriasis and I can guarantee you that it's definitely not dairy because it was the sugar all the time it was the sugar you know <laughs> because I eat dairy yeah. now with absolutely no problems at all so yeah I've had, I've had that with one of my clients actually she said I, I don't eat I can't eat cow's milk and anything made from cow's milk uh-huh. and within a few months she said oh I'm really surprised I can eat cow's milk and cow's yeah. uh, cheese yeah the cheese was the main thing for her yeah and she was thrilled yeah it's wonderful it's you know as I say blame they, they, there's a slogan isn't there don't blame the butter for what the bread did well it's kind of the same isn't it don't blame the uh, anything for what the don't sugar blame did. the fat for what yeah, the sugar yeah, did yeah exactly yeah mm. but um yeah so just to go back to uh, the groups so as I say that's why we set up the second group um which is for low carb and my husband is low carb so he pretty much runs that group and you know it's still we want approved sweeteners you know the, the ones that diet doctor and tim noakes use we don't want all the ones that you know are quite terrifying that aren't actually you know your maltodextrin and your you know things that are actually still just sugar your date syrup and 
whatever they call it. Um, yeah, so it's quite, it's not just your gay abandoned low carb, you know, there are still guidelines that we like you to follow. And as I say, we can't force you to do anything, but we will give you advice on why we would want you to not use, you know, the sweeteners that they put into Diet Coke or any of these kind of products that, you know, the sweeteners on that group are xylitol, erythritol, monk fruit and stevia. But mm. personally, I do not touch sweeteners at all because they bring back cravings and I don't want to be back in that cycle of wanting something sweet every, you know, after dinner. I'm not interested in that. Uh, to me, a treat is a good ribeye, you know, with some halloumi fries or <laughs> pour the butter over it, you know. I mean, that that's a treat, you know. That's something I wouldn't have eaten 20 years ago, you know. Yeah. Scared of the fat back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I never actually gave up the fat, but I still had that thinking in my head that I was really bad yeah. that I you know I was killing myself because I was eating loads of butter yeah. and it wasn't the butter it no, was the bread it was the bread exactly but it's also these little god I remember it so well the days where you would buy these go-aheads or whatever they were called or the special k whatever yeah. you can't eat one of them no I defy anybody to just have one of them because they're so high in sugar they and there's no nutrition in it. You're not getting anything at all from it except a sugar high. And then you have to go back and have another one and another one. And suddenly you ate the whole packet of six thinking, damn it. <laughs> yeah. What were they? I don't know if you... They were sort of low fat, yeah. low calorie 99 calorie biscuits. biscuit with icing and tiny amounts of fruit seeds and <laughs> Oh, no, they were just awful. It was like a little baked. I can't think of an equivalent. It's more like it was like a rich tea or a yeah, yeah, a digestive. Right. The, the tasty bits. Yeah, no fat. Right. <laughs> no yeah. fat at all. For, for the for the non UK person in the room, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. yeah. yeah so I think it was a McVitie's. I think it was a McVitie's make. I think it so was. It felt yeah. like you were having a biscuit. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, they were called really. Go Ahead. Yeah. As in, go ahead, go ahead and eat them. <laughs> you won't get fat. Well, I did. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So we've been running the group, the two groups between us now since 2016. And um, I like to think that we've massively improved them. And because of that, uh, a chap called Errol Vaughan, who is the founder of the low-carb food company, came, well, phoned me and asked if we could discuss, you know, my take on low-carb. He had been diabetic and had managed to reverse his diabetes, but was still overweight and wanted to know what his next steps were. So he came to see me and we got talking and basically this low-carb supermarket that he wanted to start um, with this low-carb bread that they had a recipe for. And uh, he showed it to me and it had something like 40 ingredients in it. And I said, mm, I wouldn't eat that. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, damn it, because we've got this flour and, you know, we want to make this bread and we want to help diabetes and we want we've spoken to Dr Unwin and he says that the biggest problem 
is compliance. So people want to do it, but they miss the kind of foods that they had before, like bread, and bread is the biggest one. So what's your suggestion? So even though I don't generally do bakes and such things, I it was locked down. I wasn't doing anything else anyway. So I spent about three months perfecting another low-carb bread and a keto bread and sent them to them and basically long story short they asked me to join the board and the supermarket is up and running now and it's going fabulously because I've sent them recipes for ready meals which we make there's about 13 or 14 now we're intending to have about 20 to 30 of those uh, the breads two different kinds of breads olive oil uh, all your coming are all the um, coconut oils and apple cider vinegars all your clean spices with no added sugar in them all the ones that you can find in supermarkets but you have to search for it. so what we're trying to do is create this sort of one-stop shop where you can come and know that it's either keto low carb paleo clean keto whatever you're you know whatever version you're doing we hope that we'll be able to cater for you and yeah so far so good it's been actually quite brilliant people are loving it and I'm really hopeful that it's going to take off and uh, you know become a one-stop shop <laughs> yeah great it's fantastic and um so shipping's just in the UK at the moment Yes, sadly, yes. Sorry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but you just, honestly, see, to try to get companies to change the way that they do things to accommodate a low-carb lifestyle. I mean, I am like this. <laughs> I guess I am the keto police because they <laughs> they will send me their list of ingredients. I, I will send them my recipe, you know. And they will say, oh, right, okay, we would like to use uh, this particular sour cream, for example. This is just an example. Um, here are the ingredients. Now, their sour cream has got maize starch in it. And my sour cream doesn't have maize starch in it. And theirs does because they are buying it in, in like 25 kilo vats of the stuff. And as you know, sour cream does separate a little bit. You know, if you have it in the fridge, there's a little sort of liquidy pool on top of it. Whereas when that's like a 25 kilo amount, they have to pour off, you know, probably two or three kilos of that, which then affects the bottom line, which is and honestly, the I don't want to say fights, <laughs> but the discussions that I have had with these guys to say, no, I cannot put a product in a clean keto ready meal that's got maize starch in it. It will not be accepted. So there are of all of the ready meals they're nearly all of our recipes but two have got rapeseed oil in them and they are only because they use a paste you know these curry paste type things to make the both curries one is a beef mm. madras and the other is a hot chicken curry but I guess if you're only doing low carb and a tiny little bit of rapeseed oil, you know, but <laughs> the great news is that the more that they have seen how well our clean ready meals are selling, the more interested they are in talking to us about changing their recipes. And that's where we want to be, to be doing well enough to be able to not ask them to do, but to say, no, this is how we want them to be. These are the ingredients that we want and these are where we want you to get them from so that we know that they're clean and the customer knows that they're clean. And I think eventually, I hope, <laughs> and maybe I'm completely naive and optimistic, but I hope that 
all companies will come round to this someday and understand that all these added fillers, like your maize starch and your, I don't know, I can't even think of them off of the top of my head, but uh, you know, all of these things that they put into meals and ready meals to give them longer shelf lives and preservatives and bulk them out to make them better value. They are the things that are killing us all. Yeah. I just, if I'm not sorry. sure. I was going to say, I'm not sure how they can do that because of the shelf life. Yeah. I think the shelf life is the biggest problem yeah. and the bulk processing. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to do that. Yeah. Well, these unless are. Unless we go back to an older yeah. version of production. Yeah. Well, these are frozen. So they literally are made and frozen, fast frozen on the day. I can't remember how they call it dry, dry freezing or something like that. But it's and frozen there and then. So there's no issue with, uh, you know, so. I mean, it does make some constraints. You know, you have to, everything has to be a sort of one pot style of thing. But I'll get there. I will fight our corner, <laughs> honestly, till till my dying day because uh, you know it's working. And the feedback that we've had from the ready meals, honestly, have been and they are real ingredients. Everything in it is real ingredients, except except as I say for these two that have the rapeseed oil in them. But everything else, it's as you would cook at home exactly as you would cook at home and uh, mm. yeah but it's I, I will I will fight it and you know I want it and people want it they obviously want it because they're selling like hotcakes and uh, yeah it'll, it'll come it'll come and I think other people will start they'll have to they'll start taking this on board they do it you look at Weight Watchers and Slimming World they have their own meals in Iceland yes so you know why why can't we not that I, I don't personally cooking from home is the absolute best thing that you can do, not just for your health, but for your kids and to teach them, you know, even if it's just subliminally teaching them, you know, I'm 100% behind that. But I also see how hard it is for some people who work, you know, full time and God, if you can come in and put a ready meal in the oven, then and it's a healthy ready meal and it's got no crap in it, then yeah, by all means, not every day, but on those days that you need it, then why not? Yeah, yeah, it's a great idea. And great that the low-carb food company is willing to do that and work with you to achieve those results. Yeah, absolutely. But if, again, you know, people are sending me samples of things that they desperately want to sell on our supermarket. And I'm like, please, please don't. I've got stuff in my house now that I will never eat, you know, and I'm like, what will I do with this? I love my friends and family. I don't want to pass this stuff on to them. <laughs> Are they are they non are they non compliant sort of things that the people are sending you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the sad thing is, they'll send me a big box of things, and maybe two out of a box of thirty things are okay. <laughs> but like, you can't run a supermarket like that. You know what I mean? You have to be able to. But the other good thing is that quite a lot of them, when you go back to them and say we can't use this because of this, we don't use that because of that, they actually are interested. You know, they will come back and say, oh, well, could you suggest something that we could change that for? So I do think it will get there. I do think that they're interested. If they're interested enough to ask those questions, then to my mind, they're interested enough to change it. Mm. So then that's part of that consumer feedback. And you've yes. obviously got some great feedback from your customers of your ready meals that are that are, are enjoying the food. It's tasty. And as you said, it's rigidly compliant so that's really good that you're able to give that other feedback to yeah, the suppliers exactly and that then goes as you said up the supply chain to 
modifying their production and the inclusion of, of ingredients. Absolutely. It's all about cost at the end of the day. Uh, you know, you, for, for a while, we may have to pay premium for these kind of things because ghee is obviously far more expensive than rapeseed oil, right? There's no getting away from that. But in time, when more and more people go for that option, then that's when the price comes down, isn't it? Commodity, it's supply yes. and demand at the end of the day. Mm. But it also picks up on your other point about education. And yep. just as you're educating the, the low-carb you know, food company, you're also educating those other suppliers. So, And that's a great feedback from you, know, you being a board member and a manufacturer and producer of clean keto foods that you're also saying to your suppliers, well, no, that's never going to get into our supermarket because of this reason and this reason. And they're obviously having that feedback and feed forward that hopefully they will modify their production um, and be able to supply cleaner ingredient, um, you know, ready, ready-made foods. Yeah, absolutely. Going forward, I mean, I'm hoping that that is how it's all going to work. Sounding very positive. Good. <laughs> I'm certainly interested in your bread recipe. So, but I'm sure that that's, that's part of, you know, that's commercial and confidence. You're not going it to be is. able to share. <laughs> Well, what are no, they? What that, are the two breads? I'm just let me so, salivate over here in Thailand, knowing that you can't ship here. Well, actually, um, there are there is interest from Spain and Germany in the flour to p- export that over to them, so that they can make it over there. So you never know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the low carb one does contain vital wheat gluten, which I know a lot of people will say, yes, that is keto. But to my mind, and because I've read up on Finney and Volek and, you know, their kind of definition of this, because there is no dictionary of keto. Let's be honest. Keto just means keeping your carbs under 20 grams. There's no, there's no, you know, and if you want to eat whatever you want within that, so be it. But if you're following a clean keto diet, you're not going to want to put vital wheat gluten because... It comes from a grain, and I know it's mainly protein, but there are still carbs in it, and it also has oat fibre in it, and that too comes from a grain, whereas the keto bread and the keto flour has got no grains at all in it, and it's a high-fat bread as opposed to a high-protein bread. If you're buying the flour, you've got your choice of whatever fat you want to put in, but in the bread, we are using beef dripping. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) So when I say it's a high fat bread, yeah, and you put a bit of butter on that, and trust me, you're set up for the day. <laughs> uh, I don't normally, I don't normally have keto breads. I don't normally have any breads, um, but now I'm thinking hmm, maybe I should try that. Well, it's also got hemp flour in it, which has got all of your good omega threes without any of the problems that sometimes come with linseed. So the ingredients are good. I don't think you'll be disappointed. <laughs> Especially with some butter and some Vegemite or Marmite yeah, if you're in the yeah. UK. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't spoil bread with Marmite. No, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Marmite, but a uh, tiny amount, very occasionally, maybe once every couple of years. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Not like we Louise to... goes through bottles yeah. of it. Yeah, oh, of it. Kilo, kilo tubs of Vegemite that get shipped from Australia in the care packages. So, wow. um, yeah, kilo tubs. <laughs> So, um, yeah, but it is it is interesting when we're still looking, and I think it's a a good point about substitutions, and that's where we, you know, these keto breads is, and also the point about the sweeteners is because people are still wanting to substitute, and I think there is a place 
you know, in a journey, in your journey, in my journey, where we had those sweeteners, where we were substituting, you know, we do look for cauliflower rice and zoodles Mm -hmm. because, you know, those foods are are sort of, you know, comfort foods like pastas. But it's obviously the healthier options. And if a keto bread that's either high in fat or high in protein, you know, gets you through you know, a stage a, of your journey. Time in your journey. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's a role for substitutions. Yeah. No, that's that's the way I'm looking at it. I mean, my husband at the minute is writing as um a sort of handbook, if you like, of the keto journey, you know. So so that because we, we did a meal planner for the um keto UK community meal planner, and it was lots of recipes from members obviously, who all got mentioned in the book to <laughs> say thank you for your recipe. A uh, very simple meal planner, uh, 50 pages, the very basics of keto, your meal planner with all of your uh, macros laid out so that you can literally do, it's like in three stages. So you've got, let's just say breakfast, lunch and dinner or dinner, lunch and breakfast because we get people to focus on their most nutritious meal of the day, which is usually dinner, isn't it? So mm-hmm. um we've done that it's really easy to follow so you can split all the pages into three if you want to and mix and match and mix and match so that you'll always be able to meet your macros on whichever any given day if you're following macros um Mm. so that's gone down an absolute bomb people are loving it so now we're working on the second book which is more of a more of a your keto journey style of thing and it's just exactly as you've said Louise it's um you know you might not want bread and you might want to give up bread for a month but it's the kind of thing you know the keto bread you can put that in the freezer you can take a slice out on those days when you just actually do fancy something like that you know or you can eat it every day if you want to it's 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 part of your journey and I think as people go further down the journey they tend to gravitate much much more towards or the successful people anyway much much more towards just real food just food as it comes you know the meat as it comes the vegetables as it comes the butter you know the fat the lard whatever you know they tend to gravitate much more to, towards that kind of thing in my in my experience and mm. but again is it so terrible to have you know something in the freezer for those days when you just haven't got the time or the energy or the inclination you know same reason why you know fat bombs again they shouldn't be part of your every single day but if you make some and you put them in your freezer and you've got the kids around and they're having sweets <laughs> isn't it better to take a little fat bomb out of the out of the freezer and you know cut it up and, and, and eat it when they're eating those things and sort of feel part of it but also not be tempted by actual sugar what they're eating yeah yeah, yeah. so what does your day look like in terms of food on a, on a general day-to-day basis most days I start my day with bulletproof coffee because I love it. <laughs> I honestly think my journey would not have been this successful without bulletproof coffee for such a long time in the beginning. It was my answer to anything. And I know that that's not necessarily the way to do it. But in the beginning, back in 2013, the only people out there that were helping you were people like Diet Doctor and, you know, so I do have my bulletproof coffee first thing in the morning. For lunchtime, mm-hmm. I tend to have 
I like to have some kind of fish, like sardines and olive oil, and I will blend it up with Boursin cheese, which is like a garlic and herb cheese, Louise, in case you, <laughs> soft cheese, you know, in case you don't have Boursin <laughs> over there. Um, so you just blend it up. And then I will have like celery sticks or maybe a couple of pepper slices or, you know, some kind of vegetable. Fennel is my absolute favourite. I love fennel. So I would dip that in the fennel and that would be my lunch. Um, or over a salad, you know, depending. And uh, if I'm very hungry, then I'll have a slice of the keto bread with the uh, the fish fish mixture patty type thing on it. And mm-hmm. and then tea is always just meat of some description, generally, or fish, but usually meat with vegetables, lots of butter, cooked in lard. You know, I've got lamb in the slow cooker right now. Some days it'll be 100% beef burgers. Some days it'll be sausages that my husband makes with, you know, a nice spice or whatever. I'll have it with eggs. I'll have it with halloumi fries. I'll have it with uh, asparagus and butter, broccoli and butter, cauliflower rice. Now and again, if he makes a curry, you know, I guess just like every keto are out there, it's just normal to us now. This is how we eat, you know, it's, it's basic food, real food. Yeah, great. And of course, you don't have any any treats or sweeteners. Well, I don't have sweeteners at all, but I do occasionally have, for example, a square of the Montezuma chocolate, the 100%, the high, uh, the orange one sometimes. And I'll be really honest with you, this is quite personal, but pre-menopause, I would probably have to have some dark chocolate once a month. But since it's all over, it sits in my fridge and I really think about it. And then every now and again, I think, God, I better eat that or it's just going to go off. Yeah. yeah, so I probably won't buy it again because I don't feel that need, if you like. But I think when you're going through all of those hormonal changes, the magnesium fluctuations in your body force you to sort of you crave things don't you and the chocolate is the high magnesium one and then that's why we crave chocolate at the end of the day so yeah I keep some of that in the fridge but uh, haven't had it for a while <laughs> and that's a treat <laughs> yeah so you and Graham are doing this together so what have you noticed um about Graham's journey well Graham <laughs> when we first met he was still working for the NHS he uh, was part of the transplant team at Addenbrooke's Hospital and um, he's obviously worked with uh, healthcare professionals most of his life and when we first met um, obviously I was at home and cooking because I worked from home then and he was going to work so he was just eating what I made him there was no you know and uh, he did have milk in his tea and what I started doing was um, I water down cream, you know, so I put 100ml of cream in to make, say, a pint of milk, shall we say. (laughs) And he thought I was posh because we hadn't long met and I like to have my milk in a jug. (laughs) 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 But actually it was cream and water and I was putting it in his tea for a year before before he realised, before he noticed. And uh, yeah, he dropped three stone like that. And then all of his... his, uh, colleagues at work were saying god graham what have you done you know this is you know what a difference i could send you a picture if you wanted to see it just for the fun of it because uh, he was he was never been fat fat but he definitely had that dad bod belly thing you know that that plump little round belly and that's gone now so uh, yeah he loves it we we eat like this and he, he i don't think he would ever go back to you know standard diet if you like 
But I think mm. most men do, if I'm honest with you, because for men, it's like the ideal, isn't it? It's, it's we women yeah, who, who make, yeah, <laughs> make me fat. Yeah, exactly. It's we women who make all the puddings and the, you know, it's just, you know, whereas for men, it's like, I think probably how they would eat if we weren't around. <laughs> yeah. I think for men, the hardest thing, and of course it depends on the on the man, but it's the beer. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So if they're a beer drinker, yeah. see, I, if I could choose my drink, it would be a lager. Uh-huh. And and that's what I'd love to have, but now I have to drink wine if I'm going to have something and I oh, dear. don't enjoy it as much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is really interesting because there are low-carb beers on the market um certainly in australia there's a there's a zero carb beers and there are lower carb beers but obviously in the uk a lot of your beers are quite heavy like a heavy alcohol you know which is which is hard to to do that so in a market which is especially uk market where beer is you know absolutely delicious and it's a food group um but it's it's hard obviously for marketers in the uk to to promote lower carb beers yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never drank beer, to be honest with you, so it's not something I can tell you whether it's good, bad or indifferent. You know, I've never. But I think there are some low-carb beers on the market. I'm sure I've seen adverts for them in the UK, but as okay. I say, it's not even something I've ever bothered to try. That's interesting. It's at the mm, end of the yeah. day, for me, well, you, everybody knows that the body's going to prioritise burning the uh, alcohol. alcohol. So the alcohol. that's yeah, mm. why I've not even bothered Yeah. So I've got a question for you about the cream in the tea. Because uh-huh. I will quite often have cream in my tea, but I just use a teaspoon or two of cream uh-huh. and then that's it. But it always separates on top. So does it work better if you mix it with 100%. water? 100%. Yeah, if you mix it with okay. water. Now, when I was first doing this, I was using cooled boiled water just because coming from a food background, that just seemed like the right thing to do. But if I'm honest now, I literally just fill it up from the tap and you cannot, it, you know, you can't tell the difference and it, it definitely doesn't separate like, like, you know, cream does in tea. Don't ask me yeah. why. I do not know the science behind that, but it definitely doesn't. And do you just mix, would you mix it, stir it? Well, anything? pour 100 ml into the bottom of the pint jug and then yeah. turn the tap on and it mixes it because it's quite a rapid tap. And then put it in the fridge. That's it. <laughs> right, I'm going to try that. <laughs> Let me know how you get on. <laughs> I can just, I'm just hearing the screams of all those tea aficionados <laughs> going, what are you doing? This is sacrilege. You low-carb people, keto people have taken this whole thing to a whole different level. What are you doing? But the question everybody wants to know then, Sharon, do you still put it in the cup first or do you add it after you've done that? So are you a, a before or after cream Definitely adder after, person? After, after. I'm an after, after. person myself. So, yeah. yeah, especially the Yorkshiremen. They're going to be going mad listening to this. Absolutely. You've, yeah. They're just they're, they're riding in the streets as we speak. So. And all the builders, yeah, all my, the builders' tea people are coming out after you. My mum tends to give me milk and I have so little that I don't worry about it yeah. and then I have three teaspoons of milk in my tea yeah. um, and I don't worry about it and I only have two cups a day so it's not the end of no, the world no it's but, not but uh, I, I might take her over some cream but she keeps throwing it away every time I do that oh, no. <laughs> yeah. well the way I look at it is that when you make it up into your pint you've got 
your micros are perfect because there is 1.6 grams in your 100 mil. <laughs> there you go. That you can add that to your daily. <laughs> it's very easy to calculate it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. So how's your way of eating nowadays different to when you started? I guess in the beginning I was trying to do a lot of the replicating stuff, you know, but I don't even care about it now. It doesn't cross my mind. I've done it because I've had to do it for the low-carb supermarket, but now Graham and I cook, we create a recipe, we send it over to them to see if it can be upscaled, you know, if it can, great, if it can't, and if there's something that we can't overcome, for example, with the sour cream and the maize starch and they can't change it because of their protocols because, you know, they all follow strict guidelines as well on what they're allowed to have into their factories and everything, mm-hmm. you know. But so, yeah, the only way it's really eating this uh, change, should I say, my eating is that it's cleaner than it was probably in the beginning. But most of that was lack of knowledge. Most of that was just looking at something and saying, oh, yeah, OK, there's only X amount of carbs in that. I can eat that and not fully understanding, like I said about the peanut butter, not fully understanding what, and this is why we have all the units in the group to explain things like milk, like peanuts, like, you know, soy, like, you know, all of those things that I won't touch mm-hmm. now, whereas before, if it, if the carbs were okay, I would, I would eat yeah. it. So how about eating out? How does that affect you, or do you just be a bit more lax if you're eating out? Because... You can't know what they're cooking with all the time. No, you can't. You can't know. I tend to just go for, you know, either a steak. Or, I actually prefer to eat fish when I'm out because, well, you know how it is when you cook fish in your own house, it stinks up your mm. kitchen. <laughs> so I tend to eat fish much more so when I'm out. Um, and you can't really go far wrong with that. And yes, it's probably not cooked in the best of oils, you know. And I'll either have it with a salad or if the vegetables are good, then I'll go for the vegetables. And But... I mean, God, it feels like forever since we've been out to dinner with lockdown. I can't even remember the last time we went. I wonder if it'll be over by the time this is aired. <laughs> yeah, I think probably not. Maybe a little no. bit more lax, but I think probably not. We'll still be stuck. In. Yeah, but I have to be. Yeah, I have to be really honest. My husband is a really good cook and I would much rather eat his food. We would rather have people round, you know, and, and have a little bit of a dinner party. And so many of his uh, NHS colleagues have been transferred onto a low carb diet since following him or listening to him or that, um, you know, when they come to us and they get all the keto stuff, they're like, oh, my God, can you eat that? Oh, can you eat that? <laughs> definitely yeah so eating out isn't a major thing yeah. i was about I to say to you can you always get one of your ready meals and put it on a posh plate and you know have your candlelight and there you go you're having gourmet at home someone else has cooked for you so exactly. you you are eating out but in i think that's a great yeah. advertising spin. Exactly. why why you know eat out in tonight you know yeah yeah, yeah. No, you can get some authentic Indian restaurants who will still who do still cook in ghee. There's a couple round about here that we've been to on occasion, but which and they are lovely, but there's always that temptation of that nan bread. Mm. So. Mm. <laughs> but we are bringing to the supermarket a whole range of uh, nan breads, flatbreads, all of those kind of things, all made with the low carb flour. Mm. So it's all coming. Watch this space. Awesome. And for the listeners, we'll have all the links and details um, to your groups and to the supermarket on our show notes. So um, 
rest assured people you'll be able to click and add to cart all those ready meals <laughs> so I've, I've got another question here so i'm thinking as a uh-huh. if somebody was listening to this as a beginner ketoer starting out and i know mm-hmm. that you have a macro calculator in the group that you recommend how do mm-hmm. you advise people on using a macro cal- not not so much using it in the sense of getting your macros but then applying that into your everyday life so what we first off we have a no app guide so when you very first start out we will tell you that you know a fist sized piece of chicken for example is roughly 20 grams of protein four teacups full of vegetables that grow above ground is roughly 20 grams of carbohydrates mm-hmm. etc so there's a no app guide so if you just want to come straight in and you don't care about macros and you're intimidated by macros because Sometimes when you see those macros that are telling you to eat 180 grams of fat, it's quite daunting. And you, you look at it and think, how will I do that? And especially if you've been following a low fat diet. So what we encourage you to do is try it like that first. See how you go. Ease yourself into it. But at the same time, be strict with things like sweeteners and alcohol and, you know, so that you can gauge after a month whether they affect you or not. Then if somebody isn't making any progress then we'll ask them to calculate their macros or we'll calculate them for them and break it down into very basic terms that this is for example your four teacups full of vegetables two fist-sized pieces of protein or three depending on what your macros are or four you know and with the fat we're encouraging you to get it as much as possible from the food that you're eating so it's buying your fattier cuts of meat like your pork belly or your chicken thighs with the skin on you know not the not the sort of breast that's very lean you know all that kind of stuff and we've got infographics and stuff but if I'm honest with you in a group this size a personal response is always better received than look at the unit or look at the you know look at the because but it takes a lot of work and without my moderators honestly I could not do this I couldn't run this group the way that I do without the help of all of them because some of them are just amazing coming in with you know this is what I do these are links to this meal that I've made that meal that I've late made yeah the moderators are outstanding honestly they know their stuff all of them have done the um ketogenic um diet diploma so they all do know what they're mm. talking about. But for the practical help, that's where they they come into their own, you know, explaining how to, you know, cook it in lard, pour the lard back over it once you've put it on the plate, you know, eat it like that. And, you know, this is what's going to bring up your fat macro to, to, to make you not hungry before your next meal, to stop the snacking, to help you to adjust to running on fat and not glucose and how to understand when you are fat adapted you know there's there's yeah they're really really good and the moderators i can't i can't praise them enough honestly brilliant thank you and i I, that sort of really resonates with me because i i was moderating for the two keto dudes when that group was going and um it is a thankless job and especially you know you said your group is Uh is quite large and we at that stage the the two keto dudes group was about 10,000 and they're continuously sort of not just the questions 
that it was obviously, you know, fanning out the flames, you know, those protein wars and the fat wars and this was going over here and, you know, yep. those sorts of things. So, yeah, thank you from a moderator, um, you know, being recognised about <laughs> what we do to, to keep everything, you know, stable. Stable is, is really good. Yeah. And it is, it's crazy. And obviously we do have our own moderating group where we can dis mm. discuss things that need discussing because, you know, we've got some specialists as well. You know, some, some of my moderators are very well educated. So someone who might not know mm. will come to somebody else that maybe has specialises in thyroid problems yes. or pregnancy or, yeah. you know, those kind of things. So we can come into that group and ask that kind yeah. of thing. Um, but... Yes, also you get those uh, our Rice Krispies keto questions, mm. you know, <laughs> which we just don't let into the group at all now. We used to, but it's just not worth the, uh, like you say, the fight, the row, the constant, don't be so horrible, yeah. you know, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, the mods are a godsend, they really are. They need paid. <laughs> <laughs> so Sharon, where can our listeners find you? We have the Keto UK Community Facebook page, the Low Carb Community Facebook page. You, sorry, Low Carb UK Community Facebook page. God, if I can't do this, you've got no chance. <laughs> <laughs> and lowcarbfood.co, just CO, nothing else after that. Brilliant. Okay, and those links will be on the show notes for our listeners. So before we finish up, Sharon, do you want to share with us your top three tips that you would give anyone? <laughs> okay. Um, the first thing I would say is that once you get to a certain part of your journey, there will be the temptation to go down the rabbit hole and look very deeply into some serious subjects like oxalates and Krebs cycles and <laughs> these things and what I would say to you is by all means go down that rabbit hole but come back up because otherwise you will be left with nothing at all to eat mm. it's very it's very easy to um, get caught up in these things that for some people that they're bad for them and then you think that's yeah I should do that as well and then you just yeah. keep cutting things out and cutting things out and I've seen it happen so many times to even to some of the best. And then you're left with nothing but extreme fasting or carnivore or and I'm not saying there's anything really wrong with those things, but we have to live our lives, don't we? And food is fuel at the end of the day. So, you know, it's finding that balance, mm. isn't it? Yeah. And that really resonates with I remember from Zoe Harkham's interview that we did and she said exactly that. So once you're eliminating and eliminating and eliminating and you know and that's that's fine but if should you then reintroduce things then you know you get to a certain point where you have to really find that balance after eliminating to to reintroduction so yeah it becomes yeah. A, that tension um my other top tip would be that you need to love the skin that you're in you know, if you've been 20 stone and now you're 10 stone, you're going to have loose skin. And other than surgery, you have to accept that. You have to accept that about yourself and you have to be happy with who you are because if you're not, you're fighting a losing battle and you can keep going and going. But if you can't maintain a lower weight than that comfortably, then 
you're not doing it right. Mm. Yeah. My third top tip, I guess, would be don't fear the fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Now, it was interesting you were saying about love the skin you're in. I was watching a Dr. Berry uh, video the other day, and he was saying how the body regenerates your skin every three months. So with fasting and obviously giving yourself time that um, you can love your new skin every three months and that loose skin hopefully over time will help to to shrink as you're as you're sort of fasting um, fasting your way through autophagy and recycling all those proteins. And he reminded you know, what really resonated with me he reminded me that it took you know years of obviously you know getting to that morbidly obese as I was that woman and equally it'll still take every three months for me to be fasting autophagy and hopefully that skin that loose skin will will tighten over time and as you said you know avoiding avoiding the surgery option but in the meantime that really resonates and it's a struggle for I think a lot of us in loving that skin that we're in and just really appreciating that it took time to, you know, to get to where we were and it's taken time now to, to get to and maintaining for you. So well done for you on your 10 stone and, um, yeah, loving your skin. And thank you for sharing that love with the listeners today. Thanks, ladies. You're very welcome. And uh, I look forward to uh, speaking to you again. Great. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. So, Louise, how do you think you would cope with being seven years with no sweetener? Well, Jackie, Andrew would tell you that I'm actually sweet enough and I don't really need <laughs> any more sweetener. But I I think I would struggle. But as, as listeners would know, and I'm the abstainer and you're the moderator, I think I can see the value in abstaining from, from sweeteners as a trigger. But just like Sharon, I do abstain, you know, I do have certain rules from which I abstain from grains, I abstain from alcohol during the week, no drinking on a school night. So there are certain rules that I do live live by. But there, yeah, I think I would struggle for a long period of of having no opportunity to have, have sweetness, particularly if I'm baking certain certain things but mm. i i can see the value in it and i admire sharon's commitment to to that and certainly for her group and the group rules and the group um, advocating for no sweetener yeah and everybody has a choice so if you don't like that rule you can always go she has the other group the low carb group so you can move there mm. and yeah i don't think i could do it but maybe it just gets easier with time. But I think for me, it's yeah. more the social situations of being with other people when they're having sweets and cakes and things. You can make something, keto, you can ketify something and have that and join in and be part of the group, you know, your actual physical community rather than an online community. But I think you would remember our interview with Bitten Johnson and we know the fact that you know the sweetness has that dopamine release and that we do have that sugar addiction and we understand the power and the draw of not only refined sugar but 
the fact that sweeteners has a potential, you know, potentiation to, to trigger those things in our brain chemistry. So in that sense, I understand the reason and the rationale for not wanting to, tr- you know, to trigger those things. But yeah, Definitely. we know about seed oils. You know, we know that there are certain things about glutens for people with IBS that or celiacs that there are these potential triggers that we are avoiding and we have rules around those those things. Mm, yeah, there's, there's definitely a valid point to it. And I can see within the group that people are having great success. Which is fantastic. And really that's what we're wanting everybody to be on their own health and well-being journey. And whether you are strict, lazy, dirty, um, whatever keto journey you're on or you know to the low carb to the paleos to the primals whatever it is you know that's that's you and your journey but I think it's fantastic that Sharon has now taken that commitment into her business with the with the supermarket with the ready meals that people can buy with confidence in the products and thank you Sharon for taking on the keto police you know um yeah Mm -hmm. I love that you know and that's that's a tough job yeah Great. So you can find the show notes at www.fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero three one. Great. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulouslyketo and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle fabulouslyketo1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.